How the People of Mercy Are to Live, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. You have been saved by grace. Mercy has been extended to your life. So the question is, how then should you live? What's the response to mercy? Well, that's what we're studying here today as we continue our look at Romans. We're in chapter 12, focusing on verses 9 through 13 today. Pick up a Bible and join us. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, with today's edition of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor now, again here in Romans chapter 12, here's Pastor Phil Howard as we explore how we are to live in mercy. Well, he goes on. Uh, He says some other things. He said, uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, The word brotherly love here is is the word Philadelphia, the city. That's just the way it's made. Love in your brother, city of brotherly love. But he says, love that way. He gave that word. And then right on top of it, he gave a word, brotherly love. And then he added a word, phileo storke. And this love of storke was the affection among family members. Aunt, uncle, brothers, mom, dad. It was family love. Storke was family love among the Greeks. It's all the expressions that were free and without suspicion among family members. And he says, I've called you to this mercy community to love like brothers Say, well, I never could stand my brother. Well, put that old model behind you. You're in a new family. A new Love like brothers. And then just for effect, and I think because he doesn't want to be misunderstood, warm, warm affection as among family members. That's what is supposed to happen if you're in a congregation for a while. It's supposed to be family. And we're supposed to be warm towards each other. Warm affections. One of our brothers uh, shared with me that uh, has a tough job, works with a lot of uh, very vile, vulgar men. They're either brawlers, womanizers, seeing pornography all the time on the job because they'll be waiting for some work to be done. They just bring their computers and watch naked women all day. And he has to work in the midst of this. And uh, one Sunday he came and I was either shaking hands or hugged him, was greeting him. And he said, just a moment, Pastor. He said, "Uh, I'm transitioning. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's weird. He said, I'm out here in this job with these vile men. They either want to beat me up or, or get me to look at a naked woman. Uh, they're, they're just vile. And I'm on guard all the time to, to survive it. And then I come to church and I, and I got my pastor wanting to hug me and shake my hand. He said, I got to transition. He said, you know, on the job you try to hug me and I'd smack you because I'd be suspicious. Then I, then I come over into this mercy community. They actually can show affection and warmth. Nobody's out to hurt me or seduce me. 
And I thought, it was a great insight for me. I think of what God does in mercy communities. Uh, there's, there's a, they're not over probably, uh, oh, I wouldn't think there's seven people in this building now. Not that many. Just my sister and Virginia and Carol and I were here uh, when this church began. And, and it was weird when I thought about this family affection, I thought of the uh, opposite poles that came together in the early days of this church. Here, uh, I grew up in Midwestern uh, uh, piety, uh, uh, strict holiness circles, no makeup, jewelry, uh, everything, strict, 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 and very subculture. Uh, we weren't in, in, uh, in touch with the culture. We were a subculture. We were a, a culture. To, and strongly Midwestern, uh, more people who came out here in the Grapes of Wrath, Southerners. Uh, so little enclaves of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Midwest, people that came out during the war years. And that's who I grew up with. Strict rules, holiness, didn't bother us, but, you know, we were strict about everything. And then all of a sudden when I start this church, I'm with products of the 60s. And they grew up totally different. I mean, um, morals, uh, I mean, what you could do, all this. I mean, worlds apart. I mean, it's like I'm from Mars and they're from Venus. And we're all of a sudden in this community. I don't know them. I'm just getting acquainted. I would say the majority was probably under 24 uh, that I met. Young kids had either gone to Berkeley, schools in this area. They were products of the area, products of the 60s, drugs, sex, the new morality, all that stuff. And what was weird is I mean, I look back on it. Here I wore a suit every Sunday, a tie. They're wearing jeans, uh, kick up, we're back, you know. Uh, wearing uh, flip-flops, they're, uh, who knows, micro mini was in. You never knew. You never knew what the dress code would be. Uh, I know I was the cleanest one there. <laughs> That's my wife and sister. And but you know, that, and we're thrown together. And uh, in the midst of that, it's really interesting. A good old redneck stereotype would be my dad, an Oklahoma boy. He's dying of cancer. He's 63. And he's with these kids, or some in their 20s. But, I mean, he's 1909. He's born 19. I mean, and these guys just, they hadn't been around long. And it was something, you know, they're coming, they're dressing the way they dress. This is happening. And um, I just had lunch a few months ago with Steve Fernandez, part of the, that young crop. And he told me, he kind of looked in my face, he said, Phil, he said, you know where I learned to sing? And I said, I'm not sure. What are you getting at, Steve? He said, I used to stand with, next to your dad and Larry. It was Steve, Larry, and my dad. And those three voices rung out over the whole church. It's like they were having a singing contest. I mean, they'd get high. They go, Steve, if you ever see Steve Fernandez, it's like, I mean, it's almost the ba He is intense when he sings. There is no passivity. He'd fire some of you people from a song. Get out of here. He would sing. 
He does it today. I said, what, did you, what, what, what was it? He said, I used to watch your dad. And he said, when he sang, it was like he was singing into the third heaven. He acted like somebody was up there. And I said to myself, someday I'm going to sing into the same world he's singing into. And that's the way he sings. You know what else he did? I used to remember Fernandes, boys, Quinn, different ones. They'd come, and my dad was always sharing nuggets. Now, like I said, he's dying, he's, in, he's failing. But he'd see them, and he'd share a nugget. And I remember, I, I loved it. He, he would take these guys, and how are you doing, son? He's big like Paul. <laughs> Just, they didn't want any man hugging them. Too bad. My dad with cancer could handle them. He's a big guy. And he didn't, he didn't know because he grew up with warm Christianity. He grew up with his family. I don't care if they're teenagers. I don't care if you're 21. I don't care if you've been smoking weed and sleeping with your girlfriend long. Who cares? We're in the family, aren't we, son? We love Jesus, right? Yeah, but... I got these pictures of Steve and Karen and different ones going up and being with him at the hospital. When Steve and I was at the restaurant, we're both uh, breaking down from the dynamic that he threw a whole young generation and a bunch of oaky, Midwestern kind of Christians in together. And how in the world we ever blend it is a miracle. You know what the blend was? We were a mercy community. The grace of God, the mercy of God. Not, you know, I remember the, Steve and all this. They wanted, Bob Dylan's supposed to get saved, so they take me to the Orpheum to hear Bobby do Slow Train Coming album. And I want to be there because Alfred Knopfler is playing the guitar. I don't care, Bobby. I couldn't stand Bobby. I mean, all that, and the winds are blowing. And, get out of here. I want some blues. I want something on KDIA. And I don't need some uh, Jewish hippie boy. I, I grew up on Carl Perkins and boys that know how to play guitars. And, well, go, you got to hear him. He's got saved. He's got saved. And you got to serve somebody. Just come out. I say, okay, I'll go. We get over there. And I'm with Mitch Patterson and some of the Fernandez boys. And, and all of a sudden, about halfway through, I said, man, this place smells like a perfume factory. <laughs> Steve looks at me. He said, get a clue, Pastor. Everybody's smoking weed. Have you ever smoked? Have you ever smelled weed? I said, man, I get high on aspirin. <laughs> I've never smoked a joint. I've never seen a joint in my life. I've been in church. I've been in church since 58. I didn't know about drugs. How can we get along? How can I love them as though they were sons or brothers? Had nothing to do with their cultures. Had nothing to do with race, gender. Did you like grow up on drugs? You know, no, this mercy community, one of the sure signs of it is a family affection breaks out. You love people from every background. You're blended because God saved people from every background. That's why you need to meet people that don't look like you, that are younger or older than you. Get someone as much unlike you as you can and say, how did you make it over? So you get delivered to thinking your way was the only way. God's been saving people a lot of different ways from different backgrounds, and it's marvelous. God help us to quit being so narrow-minded. 
that everybody has to come the way you know mercy finds is in all kinds of conditions all kinds of genders all kinds of economic background all kinds of ethnicity it doesn't matter as long as mercy brings you to the table amen so we're a mercy community you ought to be warm towards one another as you dismiss you don't have to take them to lunch but you ought to be warm um he says uh Honor one another above yourselves. Take the lead in preferring people before yourself. It's amazing what can get done when you quit worrying about who gets the credit. And really, shouldn't the credit always be to Christ? But I think one of the finest things is when you honor other people and, and pay regard. I feel the best when I do that because the addiction for human praise or honor is a, is a deathly appetite. Uh, we have to wean ourselves from it. Be people who give honor. Uh, prefer them. Uh, and, and it's just a wonderful... We're not in competition with each other, right? We're not competing with each other. Uh, it's one of the great things I've had uh, working with the pastoral staff like I've had for the last 20 years or so, and all, all the years, but I've certainly enjoyed these men uh, and their maturity and uh, not rivalry, not one-upmanship. It's vanity. Uh, it goes on. Let me jump down because he's saying how we treat one another. I'll move down to uh, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, the church immediately had needs. Would you like to go to a church where there are no needs? Okay, good. You're in such a church that has plenty of needs. There's nothing as good for us as being around people who have less. It's a great character development in us. Do you think less of them or will you help share with them? See, if you have 10 apples and they had none, surely you'd give them an apple, wouldn't you? You'd do that, wouldn't you? That, that's what God does in, in a mercy community. But you might say, well, you haven't worked for it. Well, you didn't work for your salvation either. Wouldn't you pull out the merit badge? Well, you, you got to earn everything. No, in this mercy community, you don't have to earn everything. We haven't earned anything. We've got all of ours by grace. How did you get yours? You self-righteous Pharisee that may not even be saved because you don't need the gospel. You're too good without the gospel. And you're rotten to the core. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Externally, you look so good, but inside you're full of dead men's bones because you're dying in works religion. Religion is always, I've got to earn the favor of God. Religion is always, I've got to look good. I've got to be one that's always obeying. The gospel crowd could say, I've broken so many commandments, I wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for grace. He got me to this day. I needed the gospel this morning when I got up. I needed it yesterday because I didn't just get saved and coast, and I'm a great boy ever since. Every day, I need the gospel to deliver me. Every day, it delivers me. It's changing my character. See, this is what we teach in church. Hear me. We teach you get justified before God by faith, and then you work hard as the dickens to live the Christian life. That is works. 
You don't get sanctified by works. You get sanctified by faith. This faith that begins, the just one shall live by his faith, both in justification and in the character development. The cross is saving me from my selfish self. It's making me like the one who poured mercy on me. He's the model. He's the model of the new community. He's the motivation for how I treat people now. Not whether they deserve it. They don't. And neither did I. And now God said, if I saved a wretch like you, couldn't you be gracious to other wretches like yourself? And then we get over the pride. I'm telling you, church reeks with pride. I'm amazed at how many proud Christians there are that are so thankful they're not like the other man. Oh, when will you say, I am so grateful that mercy found me, that God forgave me for my self-righteousness and delivered me as a self-righteous Pharisee like Paul on the way to Damascus. That's the hardest kind to save, the good folks. That's why I kind of like this area. There's enough rowdies that it's easier to convince them. It's the nice folks that are hard. And the church said, amen. Had to ring it out of you. Uh, I got to, you see why I can't, I couldn't deliver everything. Share with God's people who are in need. Uh, Have you ever been in need and somebody shared with you? You never forget it, will you? Carol and I uh, had some very wealthy friends in Texas, helped me go to school, was really kind to me. Uh, but their, their bank went under, had a big feud out in Texas, and they lost everything. And one day they said they went from this great net worth to like $8 million debt in one day. The regulators came in and shut down the bank. And, and uh, Nancy said to us, uh, out of that time, Nan, they called her, she said, we never knew what it was. We used to say we were trusting God, but as multimillionaires, we never trusted God. Like, now we've been broke. We've been needy. It's totally a different uh, reality. When we say we're trusting God now, it's got a new definition, a new depth of meaning uh, to it. And uh, I think that one of your greatest opportunities is to find someone in need and you help meet it. They'll never forget it. They'll never forget it. We, we have a family story. Hazel tells a story. Mrs. Stifler, I think was the name. Something like She tells uh, my folks, Okies, that landed in Visalia. They're living in a tent in front of my Aunt Waldo's house. Uh, Hazel's not going to school certain days. The teacher inquires of this young little girl. Says, why weren't you in school yesterday? Well, my mama doesn't send me on the days there's no food in the house. And if, it's, if I remember the name right, Mrs. Stifler, Miss Stifler, she said, well, how would you like to have lunch with me? Would you like to eat in the cafeteria? Carolyn doesn't know, or Hazel doesn't know what a cafeteria is. And she goes there, and my sister has this memory. She forgets nothing. She said, first time I ever drank milk out of a milk carton. That was a big deal, big deal, back in the 30s. And the first time I ever ate mashed potatoes. She, she knows it. And then Miss Stifer comes out to the tent a few days later and asks my folks permission, could we take your daughter out so we can buy a pair of shoes? Now, now I know you don't want to hear that because you came from a blue blood. 
You never needed any of that stuff. Our people did. Broke. Poor. Living under a tent. Any of you ever live under a tent? No, they did. They went to the mountains and lived under a tent. Paul and Hazel slept in the back of an old Model A, slept in the rumble seat. Paul, my mom and dad laid on the ground and lived under trees. That's not a lot of fun. I don't recommend it. But boy, they can tell you every act of kindness that was done to them when they're just poor, dirt poor Okies. You don't have to be black to have been poor. It's not racially biased. It gets every category. You can be broke no matter who you are. And we got all the self-righteous telling us why we shouldn't be broke. Why don't you help? Quit giving us an economic lecture. Why don't you feed me? My stomach's empty. Couldn't you do something for me? I know people who work as hard as they can. They work in ministry. They work in missions. They work all over the globe who barely make it. If you read the latest National Geographic, the latest one is talking about world starvation, how it's taken the globe. And it shows you all the places where famine and we'll bury today at least 100,000 infants throughout the globe that will die from either dysentery because they're drinking water that's infected or starvation and their little stomachs are pooched out and we wonder, is there any needs? They are. In the early church, the church was running for its life. It was fleeing Nero. It was fleeing persecution. They were abandoning their businesses. They're being kicked out of the family business because they become Christians. They no longer were idolaters. They no longer went to synagogue. And he says, share with brothers and sisters in need. It's good for us. It's good for us. And then he said, be hospitable. Here's the picture. The word means love strangers. This was the picture. The early church is running for its life. They're getting out of Palestine. Uh, many Jews went to Spain. Many Jews named Fernandes, by the way. Manny Fernandez has been here. They took on Spanish names to avoid Jewish persecution. And so they went into Spain, Portugal, they fled. They, they adopted Catholicism, many of them, not to be killed. This is Jewish people. And besides that, saints are fleeing everywhere. And he said they had no motels, no hotels, because those were all brothels as a whole. Very rowdy places. So a proper family, Christians, didn't want to stay in a rowdy place. So they visit the church meeting. And you're there in the meeting, and we all dismiss, and you notice them standing around. Where are you from? Well, we live, we're, you're at Corinth now. Where are you from? Well, I'm, I'm from Caesarea, Philippi. Well, what are you doing here? Well, they, they took over my home. They burned it down. They kicked me out of my business, and uh, we, we're fleeing. Well, we'll see you later. We'll see you later. You'll do what? Mercy communities. Mercy people. Say, whatever I've got, you've got. You're a brother and a sister. Come to our house. That's what made Christianity grow. Not just sermons. Not just buildings. They didn't have any buildings. What made it grow was this kind of love. This kind of mercy. Well, after spending the last few weeks here in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, 
It's nice to get to chapter 12 and realize how we apply all of this theology the Apostle Paul is laying out for us, right? This is Truth For Today. You're listening to Pastor Phil Howard as we work our way through chapter 12 of Romans. Our series is called Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. Now, speaking of serving one another, this radio broadcast really is a service provided by Truth For Today, but it's made available through your involvement directly. You see, this is a listener-supported ministry, and as you partner with us financially and prayerfully, basically what you're doing is you're serving one another. Not only do you serve us that we can continue the ministry here on KFAX, but it allows us to serve others with the gospel of Jesus Christ here on KFAX. So really, it is a marvelous way that we can serve one another as we link arms together to continue the ministry of Truth For Today. And as you do so, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's the weekly video devotional featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. And again, that's for being a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small and no gift is too large. Consider that as you contact us. Again, you can reach us at valleybible.org and give securely online or call 855 833 9864. That's 855-833-9864. A lot of other information, by the way, is found on our website, valleybible.org. Who we are, what we believe, and ministry opportunities, and a chance to worship with us at Valley Bible Church. Our service times, directions, and location. It's all there at valleybible.org, and we'd love to see you in person. If you do plan on visiting, let one of the ushers know you were invited by the radio broadcast. That would mean a great deal to us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.